Hello and welcome to For What It's Earth podcast, your environment, climate and sustainability podcast, which has a look at big issues, tries to make them bite-sized and has a think about things that we might be able to do about them. I'm Emma. I'm Lloyd. And this week we are going to be looking at HS2, which stands for High Speed Rail 2, which is a rail project um, which has been in the news since 2012. But before we jump into that... The irony being, of course, we're talking about travel when we're both either locked down or on the edge of being locked down. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've just put a wave of sadness over me. Um, oh, what a strong start to yeah. the episode. Sorry, Lloyd. Did you know what I, I, I was about to say before we jump into the hard-hitting um, stuff, we'll have some light-hearted banter, but... <laughs> no, sorry. Brought the tone right down. <laughs> How dare you reference real-world events? <laughs> So go on then, what's your one good thing that you've done in the last week, Emma? Um, I have been using, I've been using an app called Too Good To Go, which combats food oh, waste yeah, in I've your community. This. Have you? Yeah. It is banging if you live in a big city where lots of producers are signed up to it. I don't. I live in a small city where about four producers are signed up to it. Yeah, where I am, there's not many, unfortunately, but I like the idea. Do you want to explain what it is? Yes. Uh, for those not so, know. Okay. So Too Good To Go is basically um, an app where uh, greengrocers, restaurants, cafes, pubs, whatever, anything that produces food can kind of sell off their excess stock at the end of the day or anything that basically would have gone into the bin or into food waste you can get for really cheap and my greengrocers have signed up to it and for four pounds I got this huge tray of granted half of it was slightly moldy but the rest of it was very good fruit and veg that otherwise would have gone in the bin so things like like I got a mango and a papaya and they're both like bruised on one side but that's still half a mango and half a papaya which they weren't able to sell Stuff like that. So yeah, I've, I've basically got vegetables for my entire week, plus some like That's fruit to go in smoothies and all sorts. Um, such a good idea, isn't it? Such a good idea. So much food goes into waste in the UK, and it's a total yeah. waste of produce. And also, you know, emits methane as it breaks down and all these things. And it's such a silly thing to be getting rid of stuff if it just is a bit bruised or is a bit lumpy, looks a bit do odd. Do you reckon, because we've just had Halloween, do you reckon there were loads of pumpkins on there? Oh, somebody didn't look at the uh, the Facebook post that I put out last week. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just asking, you know, just feigning ignorance for the sake Quick, of everyone the, gone the to Instagram. podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, that well, that was the thing. I think that's that's probably why I was thinking about it more even even more this week because yeah, loads and loads of pumpkins every year. Awesome though they are, and I love seeing like the creativity of them all um, on the street. Um, so many pumpkins are literally just produced to go in the bin. Um, and a lot of people, people won't even put them food. in a food bin. Yeah, yeah. People no, they completely do. forget that they're food. They're basically yeah. it's basically like a squash, isn't it? Butternut squash. It's a big lovely. old gourd. 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 How do you say it? Gourd. What, what are you trying to say? Gourd. G o u r d. They're a, they're a gourd, aren't they? I imagine so. Like a squash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Loads. What well, loads will go out into uh, into food waste. But actually, in the veg box that I got last week, I did get half a pumpkin literally sliced in half so i assumed that it had been maybe dropped at some point and <laughs> got a bit bruised and they weren't able to sell the whole thing so they gave me the good side so nice. i made a uh, pumpkin soup actually beautiful mm, well done not bad anyway enough about my vegetables um yeah. what about you what one good thing have you done for the planet this week um it's it's probably not on the well there's no one in the same scale and it's probably just a little quaint thing for, for me um but 
So we've had our housemate move out recently and bless her, she kept our plants alive for the last year. We've got a lot of houseplants because we like houseplants and she took it upon herself to make sure they were alive. Legend. Um, she bought the right books to read up on them. She went around every couple of days watering them or just like testing them, making sure. Oh, nice. Dedication. And now she's gone, I feel... I'm determined not to go back to my old ways of letting plants die and then uh, ending up buying new ones. Mm. Uh, Even though they're plants, it's still not sustainable, of course, just to keep buying new ones and transporting them across the country. So I've downloaded um, a couple of apps. Um, I'll put them on on social media when I've decided on the best one (laughs) 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 To, to just basically reference like you put all of your plants that you've got on there effectively mm. and then you um you pull out from there when you're, you're scheduled for watering and taking care of them oh nice oh, that's, that's you got a little virtual thing. jungle assistant yes that's quite cool i like that and it's it's quite a nice little routine to get into every couple of days uh to just pot around with a watering can oh, bless that's such a cute image you little watering can i haven't got much going on these days none of us do (laughs) (laughs) Ah, right let's let's take a turn with the serious stuff yeah from you protecting plants to something that is potentially uh not protecting plants as friend of the podcast sophie pavel sometimes calls it hs poo is our topic today (laughs) that made me laugh that made me laugh so yeah, well, I mean, as you said, HS2 is um, a high-speed rail line that's currently in construction connecting connecting the north and the south. So London with Birmingham, Manchester and Leeds, effectively, isn't it? Or planned to yeah, be. Yeah, and I'm sure everyone listening who's from the UK, at least, is familiar with this project, if only because it sort of crawls back into the news every couple of weeks, pretty much, isn't it? Generally with an update about how much yeah, money it's costing. So it was, it was first announced back in 2011, 2012, and then went through a couple of processes where they was given the green light to paint it back and forth, given another green light, then it was stopped, and then it was given the green light to go ahead again, and then in this perpetual there state There have been many changing signals. What's happening? So it's a very controversial infrastructure project. Mm. Uh, I think it's the biggest infrastructure project in the UK for probably a century since the last railway network was built. And it's... Uh, how much does it cost? I've got the number here somewhere. It's about a £106 billion price tag mm. uh, from uh, inception to construction and completion. Which it wasn't originally, was it? At the beginning, no. it was supposed to... Es- it was estimated to be about £36 billion. And then, like last right, year, it 36? went up. Yeah, then last year it went up in estimations to about eighty-eight billion. And then in recent weeks, it's gone over the hundred billion mark. So it's really just—it's really gathering yeah. some uh, some negative press there. And that's without even touching on any of the environmental issues, which, of course, are the other headlines that have been making the news about it. Yes. Yeah, so we are not going to particularly touch on uh, the economic value of it because that's probably a little bit outside our scope. It's We've really got plenty to talk to our area of expertise. No, we have done no. some reading. But... We are not economists. We can barely keep track of our own finances, so we're not going to criticise that too much. What we will delve into is the environmental impact, uh, or, or what is argued to be the environmental impact, because building a brand new railway line of that length requires a lot of land clearing. Mm-hmm. 
and there have been quite a few high-profile court cases because it does involve felling ancient woodland, for example, or going through uh, nature reserves, which we'll get into a bit later. And it's a bit of a sprawling topic, and I should probably... I, I feel like I should sort of go in with a bit of a bias warning that I sort of went into this with a... Um, a fairly formed opinion already that I didn't like HS2. Mm. So I think it's it's it would be fair to say that I came up with a bias. So if, if you know people take issue with what I say in this episode, <laughs> then please feel free to debate with us. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I've I, got I to admit, I sit in the say. same camp as you. And I did try and do reading from um, all sorts of sources, not just other potential sources that are of my same bias. Um, but yeah, as you said... These are our opinions. They're absolutely nothing to do with anyone else. Um, if you get angry at us, I mean, we'll listen to you, but don't, oh, absolutely. don't take it up with anyone that we work for or are associated with. Um, yeah, I feel like that was a, a smoothly done disclaimer there, doesn't it? Perhaps we'll... Uh, Thank you very much. I thought so too. Well done. Now we're getting very good well at these. <laughs> now we can say whatever we want, <laughs> right? Yeah. So where would you like to begin? Should we start with what... Um, I tell you what, let's let's start with HS2's actual website because I did obviously go there in the yes. interest of research. Yep. As did I, yep. Um, and I I think I, I wanted to try and start from the beginning because, of course, I'd heard a lot of the headlines and never really done much digging. So I thought, well, I'll go straight to the horse's mouth and see what, it, what, it, what it's all about. And HS2 um, likes to say that there are three kind of main benefits to this project. So maybe we'll have a look at this through the lens of these... Um, these intended benefits. So the first being increased capacity. Um, so yes, not only putting more trains on, by putting all of the high-speed trains and the intercity trains on this new network on HS2, you'd free up a lot more room on the existing rail networks, which are pretty clogged up at the moment because not only have they got because not only have they got the faster trains and the intercity trains, they've also got all the local smaller trains. So those our existing networks are pretty much maxed out in terms of the number of trains that we can put on them and the number of people that we can put on those trains. They're also quite old infrastructure. When they In, in um, the UK, it's pretty much all Victorian mm. infrastructure from uh, well over 100 years ago. Pretty good going from the Victorians, to be honest. Well done. Well, I mean, uh, HS2 supposedly has got um, over 100 years in it. Good. You'd hope so for over a hundred billion. <laughs> you would hope so. I, 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 I guess. I, I'm glad, I, I well, just, I'm glad they're thinking. I'm always proper longevity. surprised that something we built these days could last a hundred years. I don't know why I feel like that. It's oh, just... because we're we're built to replace everything after a year, aren't we? Yes. You know, we're in that kind of consumer uh, mindset of we need we new. Forget that's the way constantly. things should be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so by moving people and um, other trains onto this new network they would hopefully free up capacity and also the way that like ticket prices um are currently set is always on demand at the moment so if you can free up capacity on some of the other railway lines you might actually bring down prices there's no guarantee of this but i have read that that's an option and potentially that's an option to try and convince people that hs2 is a good idea but but i did actually i read something you know because they called it hs2 high speed 2 because it sounds kind of sexy doesn't it like in a, in terms in terms of it like does. new railway, it sounds kind of cool, but really, I think I read an article about perhaps they'd marketed it wrong because actually by calling it high speed, you expect it to really make a huge difference in terms of journey times, 
And from London to Birmingham, I think it only shaves off about half an hour in terms of existing journey time, which, which you know, if you're a super busy businessman, half an hour here and there probably yeah. helps. But actually, their main focus was actually to be dealing with like the real strain on the existing networks and to find this extra capacity as opposed to trying to primarily bring down journey times. So maybe if they'd called it the yeah. um, let's all try and save the railway networks a bit, it might have. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's all try to save the railway networks a bit too. Yeah, I mean, it's less less punchy, isn't it? But it, it might have maybe been a bit more um, helpful in terms of um, helping people understand what one of the intended points of it was. Because when people heard that it was only going to be a like 20 minutes. It's wonder that our podcast marketing does as well as it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> anyway but so the other um one of the other main benefits that hs2 um claims to be bringing is that it is the quote-unquote low carbon option so it would be Mm. if you were to fly Mm. domestically or you were to get on hs2 it would be 17 times less carbon if you were to get on hs2 uh, to make that journey and it would be seven times less carbon if you're going to do it by car which when you when you when you literally take that at face value, that's great. But how many people are flying yes, domestically? Is. Not many. I to be honest, from yeah, I know people who have had to fly mm. domestically before and they mm. would rather not. But also services are getting fewer in the UK for domestic flights. There's just mm. not the market for it and well, we had Flybe go under, didn't we, recently? Mm. Yeah. But okay, well, well, hang on, have a guess then. How much of the UK's um, carbon emissions do you think are from domestic aviation travel, commercial? So how much of the UK's carbon emissions are from domestic aviation? Yeah, what percentage? Uh, 2%? 1%? Yeah. Is it? <laughs> yeah, 2%. I swear I didn't Between 1% and 2%. I really wasn't. I, was, I thought <laughs> well, you were going to get. Well, to be fair, I, I, I could tell it was going to be low because of the way you approached that. So I kind of uh, oh, use my fantastic de- deduction. Ah, I really skills. set myself up there. Okay. <laughs> so, if you were to look at the UK's overall carbon output, carbon emissions output, the one to two percent of domestic air travel is not really the most effective thing to be targeting. So there's a report that was released in 2017, 2016, the Eddington report, which actually argued that by saying this, you know, saying that the model was to move from domestic flights to ground travel, as it were, that's quite a dangerous way of thinking almost. Um, what, what would probably be better is if the spend or the shift was more on producing all of our energy renewably. That would be a much bigger impact yeah. on our carbon emissions than just, just trying to convince people that you're taking a couple of planes out of the air. In I, I have a feeling I've read about this report really? um, th- through through the lens of a, of a newspaper article because I was reading that actually they only expect uh, about 1%, but around about 1, 1% to 3% of passenger numbers on HS2 to be people who are switching from flight and car. So you're not really soaking up uh-huh. any converters as such. And no. You're just shifting rail traveller from railway line to railway line. Yeah, I mean, I was reading statistic that um, Britain's largest greenhouse gas emitting sector is transport, but most of that's from from cars, from freight, from all other sources. And mm. 
from what I gather, it's actually really hard, to be honest, to be able to really judge whether HS2 over its 120-year lifespan will have a positive, negative, or neutral carbon-emitting footprint. Because HS2's construction operation is going to be uh, quite a big uh, carbon footprint because you're building brand new stations in London and other cities and elsewhere. You are, mm-hmm. You've got to factor in the fact that you're cutting down green spaces and woodlands and the impact that will have on your carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. You've got to take into account that, well, the fact that you don't really know how much how many customers you're pulling off of local railways to free that up. It's, it's really hard to predict. Um, and I, 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 as you said, I feel mm. like instinctively that money would have much more of an impact on localised things or just updating this Victorian railway infrastructure as opposed to building a brand new railway line that mm. may or may not, in terms of carbon, have a, have a positive impact. Well, I read a, uh, a summary of a government oh, white paper um, which actually said, so obviously we're talking about if um, the old high-speed rail, um, if we are talking about carbon use, um, so trains travelling at 220 miles an hour, so high-speed trains, will use 90% more energy than trains travelling at 125 miles an hour. Oh. So there's every, there's every thought process there that actually running this rail network could be quite carbon-intensive as well as its construction. You know, unless the energy is renewably sourced somehow, its its energy mu- demand is likely to so be much higher. So it seems like HS2 claiming that it's going to be a really big sort of carbon boon for the UK is a bit premature mm. or just not necessarily clear. It, it's almost like that shouldn't be a central mm. tentpole of their their argument. Yeah. It's hard to decide whether maybe it was initially conceptualised as a really big amazing yeah. thing that we should be doing um and it's just really unraveled in the process of it actually getting to the point that it is now or whether it never was and it was just this big greenwashing i don't know it depends how skeptical you're feeling doesn't it on the day <laughs> it, it literally depends on what day we record <laughs> but this, doesn't it? yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and it's the sort of thing where you know both of us when before we had this chat kind of were like has everything you've read been a bit woolly? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, there's just a lot of holes that we seem to be finding. And, and you know, rightly so. Um, we're not the only people that have found them, of course. Um, and, and a lot of environmental groups, knock, knock, excuse yeah. me. <laughs> Don't like this. Let's have a chat. So leading on from that point, let's go back to HS2's website. They have another claim. They said that HS2 is Britain's biggest environmental project. They said that 60 new wildlife habitats will be created, which will include grassland, ponds, plantings, um, translocating of woodlands when they do go through woodlands. Ambitious. They said they're building 150 bridges and underpasses, 16 of which will be specifically designed green bridges, Mm. which sounds pretty good. They claim 350,000 trees will be planted along the route, and there'll actually be 30% more cover by school square mile than there was before mm. would you like to where do i take to, to take a running jump off that <laughs> springboard into your next <laughs> into your next bit of learning it's <laughs> my next bit of learning well yeah okay let's i mean let's start with the concept that they are aware that 
a lot of habitats are going to need to be lost. Yeah, and, and, and they do have their own through. team of uh, Ecolo- they do. Yeah, they, of ecologists, don't they? Yeah, yeah. certainly. And and if those ecologists are advising them rightly yeah. to do things and they about are it. Qualified the ecologists, the they're not just they're not just mere lawyers. The yes up men are they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, probably we've not met them. But, yeah, um, true, true. But their method of creating new habitat. Yes, technically they're doing it. And yes, if you see it written down and you see those statistics, of course you're going to think, oh, good. Well, that's that. That's box ticked. Lovely. New habitat's created. Everything's fine. Let's move on. But we don't like to just look at boxes being ticked, do we, Lloyd? We like a, it's fair a to little say deeper dive. Yeah. Nature it's is fair to say nature's a little much bit more, more complex complicated yeah. than that. And I was reading from the Wildlife Trust website and the Wildlife Trust, uh, you know, we, we, we love them. They do good work. Why haven't they sponsored the podcast yet? <laughs> Why haven't you? They get a shout out every week. Yet. <laughs> We're doing your work for you. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> do carry cry- on. How many more mentions do you want? So about nine months ago, they released a, a report uh, pretty much rebutting a lot of HS2's claims with a lot of criticism in there as well. And to be fair, actually the Wildlife Trust do say that, yes, infrastructure projects at that kind of scale can actually have potential to do really good things for the environment. Mm. They can reverse the decline of nature that's already been happening over many, 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 many years in the mm. UK. But it has to be properly mapped out, they say, and it has to be done well. And you have to be really informed by the science with all your decisions. And they point out that HS2 has actually only promised no net loss of wildlife. And we'll probably go into it as well that that's not necessarily... I think they did originally say that there would be a net gain in biodiversity. And that has since since been more recently updated to be Mm. we will aim for no net loss of biodiversity. What was the phrasing? Was something like, there will, we will aim for there to be no net loss of biodiversity as far as is reasonably possible. Great. Big old loophole there. <laughs> <laughs> just just want to colour that possible. in with a highlighter. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. They are. I mean, they are making strides. But yeah, the question is, are the strides good enough? Are they the right strides to be making? So one of the things that you will almost certainly have seen if you've come across hs2 stories is the demise of ancient woodland yes um so ancient woodland is any area that's been forested continuously since um the 1600s apparently 1750 in scotland oh nice Just well, like fu- hs2 is not gonna be in scotland <laughs> but i like that very it much it is actually it, is, it will be extended in, in part phase b phase two two to b i can't remember which oh right it okay was, but it, it's, it's projected to I don't know. It's just going to keep on going. Nice. It's just going to keep going to the sea. Sounds good. All right. Iceland. <laughs> Here we come, Reykjavik. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So back to back to ancient woodland. Um, Sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so as you said, right. So they've said they're going to plant a X amount of new trees to, to make up for the fact they're chopping down trees which are up to 200 years old. There was a 200-year-old pear tree that got chopped down recently that made the news because it was pretty devastating to the local community. And I was quite Apparently sad it was that. tree of the year in 2015. I know, it's one. an award-winning tree. It, that tree was tree. a national treasure. I know. They could, have been, they could have put a station around it that could have been like a, you know, like a nice stopping point. point. Anyway... That would have slowed down the old high-speed rail, I suppose. Just build a really big ramp. 
The train can just go up one yeah, side. They've made bridges elsewhere. Use physics <laughs> and then come, come to, or, or, or a bridge if you don't want to take a leap of faith. No, no, I don't want to take a leap of faith. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> no, I just feel like engineering's come a long way. <laughs> Not long enough to get me on that train. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so. They are building... No, they're not. They're planting more trees. You cannot, however, just plant a bunch of saplings and say, that's it. Tree for tree. It is not tree for tree. It is not, let's have a really wildlife-rich, biodiverse ecosystem, which has flourished in all of its many nuances with all of these different interactions. You've got fungi, you've got moss, you've got insects, you've got birds, you've got all sorts, you've got mammals, and chop that all down really like those animals will either be lost or have had to move to another ecosystem nearby putting more pressure on that ecosystem um and then just throw up some saplings and say oh no it's it's the same because it's not the same at all it is not just here's some more trees a yes, new habitat will take up to 100 years to establish those trees yeah. can take 100 years to mature that's why it's ancient woodland. We, we, we don't value ancient woodland just because it's kind of old. It's because it's developed into a very particular ecosystem, which serves, you know, has its own roles mm. for plants and animals within that ecosystem. And yeah, it's not even just planting that they're doing. They're, in, in air quotes, translocation. Mm. So translocation has been used to describe the movement of plants, animals, etc from one place to another mm, usually mm. For, for conservation benefits but there's concern that in recent times companies are using translocation a bit willy-nilly and it's not really supposed to describe the moving of an entire ecosystem mm. from one place to another but hs2 is saying oh yeah we'll move a large area of the woodland that's affected and we'll plonk it a couple of miles away or connect it to the other side of the woodland for example mm. and as you say that doesn't okay like they have had some success and it's actually i've seen some nice pictures of uh beehives in trunks or mm. like new trees growing saplings but as you say it's going to take 100 years to get back to the state it was mm. and apparently there's no strong evidence in the scientific literature that this works mm. and there's not enough research that's gone into this yet it's to be doing this to say on the scale yeah no it's interesting what i found really cool actually was um you know how i want to talk about soil on a podcast one day um yes they've been they even translocated some of the soil so yeah. yes you can rip up a tree or move a tree or whatever um but that tree has this amazing network underground and there's all these interactions yeah. in the soil most of which we don't even fully understand these fungal it's networks not just these microorganisms soil, it? networks no it is alive it is so rich and so they have to be fair, in some situations, tried to translocate the soil as well to bring some of that ecosystem over. But I mean, the only trials that have been running of that kind are about 10 years old, which, you know, in some science terms, 10 years is enough. But in terms of a, a woodland, which takes 100 years to mature, that, as you said, that's just not long enough to be able to definitively say yeah. like, yes or no, this is working or it's not working. And what's slightly bizarre is that I've got a quote, because I was reading a BBC article on this, uh, HS2 said, it recognises, and this next part is a quote, that there is currently a lack of long-term detailed research into the post-translocation success of habitat translocation. And we also recognise there is limited robust published evidence of the effectiveness of ancient woodland soils translocation. Mm. So why are we doing it on such large scale? We can't rely on it, yeah. It's like, it's like you said, it may be what seems to be the best option, perhaps. Um, and, it, and it's good for them to say, well, we are doing this, we're not just planting saplings. 
we are also yeah. doing translocation. But it's no, no, not natural England have called ancient woodland irreplaceable. And I was reading there's only like I think two point five percent of the UK is covered in ancient woodland, which isn't actually a lot at all. That is not very much. Not very much. Uh, yeah, and I've got some some quotes from uh, ecologists. Uh, my favourite is from a Dr. Mark Everett, who said, "You can't create ancient. You can't instantly create ecosystems. Mm. It hasn't got the same microbiology or hydrology. It's treated as a panacea, and it's not. At best, it is gardening." <laughs> I mean, I love gardening, <laughs> but, but I'm not gardening on a we UK love gardening, scale. But we're not, yeah, we're not playing with the irreplaceable. I'm not wood. playing garden, <laughs> no. Unless you're particularly well off. Yeah, talking. Of, we've talked about trees. Trees aren't the only places that are going to be suffering. There's lots of nature reserves, and no. some of these also include things like wetlands. Um, I mean, there's even, I think some, I can't remember where it was. I've forgotten the name of the river, but there's like a kilometre of river that's being redirected somewhere. Um, and there are wetlands that are going to be, <laughs> I assume, paved over. I'm not really sure how you build a, a rail network over wetlands. But suffice to say, they're not going to be the same wildlife-rich habitat that um, it once was, or even the same uh, habitat in terms of potential for carbon storage. Um, cause, because wetlands as well as trees are really good carbon capture mechanisms. And when those are lost, they are actually carbon sources rather than carbon sinks. Well, I was reading that uh, Wildlife Trust report that I talked about earlier that was published about nine months ago. Mm. And as well as saying uh, that from their studies, they say 108 ancient woodlands are threatened. Mm. They said that there are five international designated wildlife sites, which are at risk. There are 33 sites of specific scientific interest mm. at risk. There are 693 local wildlife sites at risk. And also amongst there, they say that there are sites where the Wildlife Trust and other partners and other groups being involved, where they've put money, like government-funded money, like millions of pounds mm. into certain sites, like restoring certain sites, making uh, community parks or trying to re-encourage wildlife back. And it's just going to pave straight through all the mm. work they've been doing in the last few years. Yeah. So, for example, the willow tit is a really good example of this. So this is a, an endangered bird that we've got in the UK. And a lot of money has been poured back into conservation projects trying to bring the willow tit back and to boost its numbers. Um, and then in certain locations, they're about to be threatened again by HS2. And it's like, well... In the Wildlife Trust words, which... Um, some people may agree with, they said that HS2 mitigation is just often inappropriate. That The plantations they're making are almost low wildlife value. They're not mm. just not the same yeah. thing. And they're replacing high-value wildlife sites as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and it's in, in terms of one. specific species, I was reading about um, just this month, actually, a law firm wrote to them to say that they are probably going to be breaching the law because one of the sites they want to go through has uh, endangered bat species there. Mm, and three different ecologists had recorded this bat species. Yeah. And they were saying uh, it just seems like they didn't do the proper groundwork. Now, to be fair to teachers too, they, they claim that they did do a survey and found none. And they claim that their surveys were limited, they say, by trespassers who were protesting their uh, right. demolishing of the woodland. <laughs> and they, they, they claim that's why they couldn't carry a proper survey. But... Mm, it's tough then isn't it i think that might be one of the ways that you i mean like small lawsuits like putting up lots of different fires and small little pickets of resistance along the 
along the track. I don't know whether that would actually, you know, have be enough to stop it or whether you'd end up rerouting it or something. But this is the other question. You can't really reroute it. It's the problem because yeah. they've kind of chosen a particular path because you're going at such speed on the train that you have to have enough straight lines in mm. it. And I am concerned that at this point there's no stopping it, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Are you feeling defeatist about this? Because I, I am a actually little feeling bit, a bit defeatist. I, I'm also annoyed because I suppose even if you did stop it at this point, quite a lot of damage already already been lost done. a lot mm. yeah but if you did stop it at this point you would prevent one of the biggest problems which is that it is a very physical long unending line a barrier across the yeah. uk which is so long that it would have such a it could have such a massive impact on actually the movement of species not just migratory birds and things but like the movement of land animals the the coming together of different communities of different species for breeding um you know, we have realised in the last couple of years how important biodiversity is, and then we're going to put up a whopping great, like, massive fence, effectively, um, yep. in between a lot of our communities. Um, well, the thing is, it's, it's, sorry, this is a sort of almost um, point where I'm going back to what we were talking about earlier, but in terms of carbon footprint as well, you're not just cutting up communities. In some cases, they're literally demolishing housing estates, which they only put up a couple of years ago. Mm. So we've already sort of spent the carbon capital Backwards. building new housing estates to then be put down again. Mm. <laughs> We're struggling to mm. not sound biased now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, for, for, uh, in the interests of uh, <laughs> fairness, Emma will now say five nice things about HS2. Oh my God. I'm kidding. You don't <laughs> <laughs> it looks neat. You know, the actual train. It's, it's got a jazz The name. trains look quite neat. They do look that's, neat. That's all I've got. It can get you to Birmingham 30 minutes faster. Oh, here's a fun one. They did say, so um, newts have been in the news a lot this year after the Prime Minister uh, brought them to our um, attention again. Yeah, do you yeah. remember? Um, but on the topic of newts, um, they are creating new ponds nearby existing newt breeding ponds so that the newts have somewhere to move into. <laughs> that will be one yeah. of my nice things that I will say. <laughs> but again, that's just translocation, isn't it? Yes. There's no guarantee yeah. that that new pond is going to be the same level of appropriate habitat as the old established happy pond. Yes. I mean, I, I suppose with this podcast, we, we, we're not going to uh, get them to stop pages two. I'll be very surprised if this recording changes the government's mind. <laughs> I mean, you never know. <laughs> oh, did I tell, there was one thing that was quite cool when I, um, I was researching. So obviously there's been a lot of digging going on. They've unearthed quite a few quite interesting historic discoveries, which we might yeah, not have known there. They found some Victorian yeah. era time capsules, an Iron Age man, um, some prehistoric flints, like a Roman guy, and even, um, I can't remember where it was, but some stones similar to Stonehenge. So ecology is not doing so well, but archaeology? Yeah, I mean... Hello. So amongst all this negativity, let's try and offer this like ray of gleaming green sunshine. What, what do you think people can do? I suppose we can't really do much to stop ages two. Um, but have you got any thoughts start about digging positive people ponds. take away? No, start digging um, new ponds. It's, it's tough. I mean, the, the old rhetoric, our, our consistent sign-off is right to your MP. I'm not really yeah. sure how much... Oh, I'm getting, I'm feeling very sceptical today. I'm not feeling, yeah, you know, but no, yeah, write no. to your MP. Writing to your MP is always important. It is always good for them to know what their constituents care about. 
Yes. Maybe the train is already fair, at the station for this one. You, you do get MPs but, that yeah. do actively protest against HS2. Yes, yes, you do. Yeah. And, and local councils do as well quite often. Mm. So if you make your voice heard, then maybe they'll, you know, be spurred into more passionate action. Mm. And if you're an ecologist, go looking for bats and rare species and add to that um Yes. The map of things that shouldn't be trampled on or translocated. Well, I think the Wildlife Trust did put out a call, didn't they, to get people to actively monitor these sites and, and report any um, infringements they think might have been made by HST development. There we go. So but to be honest, that kind of goes to any snitches. construction projects in your area. Just, you know, be be environmentally savvy. Don't, don't like, uh, do, do it just for the sake of, oh, I don't want my neighbour to put an extension in his house. But, <laughs> but there are newts think, in the garden. Unless you've got reason to believe there are, you know, newts or bats. No. Um, anything else that we can do, Lloyd, do you reckon? Or we'll just sit back and watch um, it unfold and just, boycott the railways? Uh, I don't know. Get get on the bus. Yeah. yeah. Or not, as, the, as times may be at the moment. Stay home. Yeah, just stay home. And talk to your friends on Zoom <laughs> rather than going yeah. to see them. So that when this thing's built in 2035 and everyone's working from home anyway. <laughs> yeah. Lloyd, have we actually seen each other in person in 2020? I don't think we have. Have we? In, in 2020, yeah. Did we sure see we each have. other? It must have been in... Did we see each other in January? Was that the last time we recorded in the same room? God, that's a long time. Yeah. Our, our friendship is entirely digital. <laughs> it is these days, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're chatting anyway. absolute nonsense now. We're just having a good Which old catch Which is how up. we know it's time to end. So, we will leave you to it and we'll see you all next week. But if you would like more from us, don't forget to head over to our Instagram. What Earth Pod? No, no that- for it's Earth Podcast. Yes, that one. Um, we're also on Twitter. What Earth Pod? Nice. And Facebook. What it's a podcast. And if you want to have a chat about anything, or if you'd like to give us some ideas for upcoming episodes, we could do with a few new ideas. Um, you can email us at forwardsearthpod at gmail.com. I know so you didn't hand that one over to me then. Oh, sorry. Stop, Would you like it? To, to, to stop oh, me floundering. What's okay. the email address? <laughs> forwardsearthpod at gmail.com. Send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Imagine if I got that wrong. Um, so thank you very much for listening to another episode of For What It's Earth. We always, always enjoy our time with you. And we shall see you, lovely listeners, on social media. And if not, then in two weeks' time. For the next instalment of Emma and Lloyd Talk for the next hard, hard-hitting <laughs> chat. Watch out, Graham Norton. Anyway. See you later. Bye. Toodles.